You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Well, hello, it's Bernadette back with episode 11 in our mini-series, 14 Days to a Beautiful New Bathroom. Now, before we get into today's episode, in which we're going to be talking about trades, I just wanted to read out one of the amazing reviews we've received already in iTunes. And this one's entitled Excellent and Five Stars. Thank you. And it's by Skid Sunny Boy Gamer 1717. And it says, Bernadette, thank you for your you can do it honest and intelligent approach to renovating. You inspire me. Thank you for so generously sharing your knowledge. Well, thank you very much, Skid Sunny Boy Gamer 1717. I really appreciate the fact that you've uh, gone over to iTunes and shared with us your experience of the podcast so far. Can I ask you to send me your name and address? And I, as promised, I will send you out a copy of our hot off the press book, Secrets of Property Millionaires Exposed, in which I am featured. And so for anyone else who would like to come over and leave us a review, I have a few more copies to share. So if you leave your review and then screen capture it and send it to me at Bernadette at the School of Renovating with your postal address, I'll send you out a copy of the book while stocks last. So let's get into today's episode. And today we're talking about trades. So in terms of trades for your bathroom renovation, what you need is a trade that does quality of work efficiently, so it's cost effective and is reliable. Turns up when they say they're going to turn up and does a great job. So I'm going to outline my process for achieving that. I have a lot of people complain that they don't can't get reliable trades And to be honest with you, I believe that you teach your trades how to treat you. And if you follow my process, you'll find that things will improve significantly. Now, let's get back to the whole concept of trade. So basically what we're going to be doing is breaking the bathroom renovation down into individual trades. Now, the reason we do that is so that we have more control over the project so we can manage the project ourselves and so that we can reduce the cost. If you're planning to take on renovating in a professional way or in an investment way, you need to be proficient at this. You know, I hear stories of people getting quotes for 20, even 30,000 for a bathroom renovation and a fairly basic one at that. And it's ridiculous, to be honest. So if you engage someone like a bathroom company or a builder to do the whole lot, They have to charge you to manage the trades. You know, they'll quote, get individual trades to come and do the the job, but they need to manage them. So they have to charge you to do that work. They also need to put markup on the materials that they're managing and having installed. And they also have to factor in some risk money. So, you know, for things that don't go completely to plan. Although in saying that, if something serious happens that incurs an additional cost, you will get charged a variation. That's just a fact of life. So that's why a quote to have the whole project done by one contractor 
will cost you significantly more. A way that you can reduce that cost is by taking on the management role yourself, provided you're legally able to do that in your location and provided that you have the skills to do that. So hopefully this episode will make some inroads into improving your skills. So I'm not going to talk about the individual trades in any depth in this episode. It's more about getting the quotes and determining the timeframes for each trade. But I will start by giving you a list of the trades that you will need to engage and will probably need to engage. So firstly, there's a demolition contractor. You'll need a plumber, an electrician, a carpenter, a renderer, a waterproofer and tiler, a glazier, a joiner and a stonemason. Now, you may or may not need all those trades, but you'll need a fair percentage of them. In terms of getting your work quoted, the first thing you need to do is prepare some documentation. The better the documentation, the easier the project will be to manage because you have gone through and thought through all the scenarios that could possibly happen or the things that need to be done. So those documents need to be as complete as possible in terms of the scope of work. And you also need a fairly decent diagram of or drawing of what, you know, the completed bathroom needs to be so that the trades have something to refer to when they're doing the work, particularly if you're not there. You cannot leave decisions up to the trades themselves, you know, decisions about positions and problem solving. You need to be involved in that. But by having good drawings, that will certainly help reduce the amount of decisions that have to be made. In saying that, often when you give your trades a document package, they will look at it for the quote and may never look at it again. So what I do is actually keep a copy on site and keep referring them back to it because often they will just rely on their memory and they're busy people and often it does not serve them well. So you want to make sure that those documents become a working part of your project. It doesn't matter how small the project is, this is a critical step in the process. So in those documents, you will want a list of the tasks that you want to do. So you'll go through the bathroom, you know, start with the, say the plumber or start with the demolition contractor, outline all the things that you want removed and the things that you need to stay. And I would go a step further and mark them as well, particularly the things you want to keep so that they don't get removed. So then you've got your list of things that you want them to do. You also want to include what materials you're supplying and what materials you want them to supply. And then you have some like conditions for working on your project. So things like make sure that they do work that's in accordance with the National Construction Code, You want to have some reference in it about the work health and safety laws in your state. You also want to um, let them know what you need in terms of insurance and in terms of documents for due diligence. I'll talk a bit bit more about that in a minute. And also sort of the housekeeping stuff. So how the rubbish is to be treated, how they will access the site. So if you've got a locks box on site you might give them the code and you know some instructions around how you want them to leave the site so that document is very important because it will really set the standard for your project 
You want to have a minimum of three to five quotes per trade. Now you might use the same plumber, say for every single job, which I do, but I always get check quotes. I always like to keep, make sure that my quotes are competitive. But if you're getting a new trade, you'll want three to five quotes minimum because some will fall off the bandwagon. So they'll come, may come into the first meeting, but may never, you know, may not come through with the quote. So you want to make sure that you're going to have sufficient quotes to be able to make an informed decision. So in terms of how to make sure that you get decent trades, it's really about, firstly, when you set down the ground rules in your scope of work, that weeds out the cowboys in most cases. But also, I just have a rule that if someone doesn't turn up or doesn't do what they say they're going to do, I just don't go back to them. Like, that's it. I'll give you an example. I received a contact for a builder on our project in Queensland who came highly recommended to do some building work on the project. So we'd been communicating via um, email and he was going to quote on the job. I had my documentation package, you know, prepared and fairly thorough. And it just wasn't coming through. He'd say I'd be there on Monday. And because he came recommended, I gave him the benefit of the doubt. That was my mistake, to be honest. And so I said to him, I'm going to fly up and meet you there because I thought, well, maybe, you know, we need to meet on site. So, you know, maybe he's not coping with the remote bit. So I flew to Queensland, met him on site, got really clear about everything, came back, Another week went by, still didn't get a quote. So that's it. So I could have gone back to him and badgered him, but I decided, you know what, if this is how we're starting our relationship, it's not going to work. So I went back to square one. I got more builders, got more quotes that did require I had to fly up there again, but it was worth it because we got a fabulous builder who was awesome. And yeah, so you teach your trade how to treat you. If you tolerate that, then expect that that's what you're going to get. The next part of your due diligence is actually doing reference checks. So I rarely, I shouldn't say never because I did recently and it came back to bite me, but I rarely engage someone that I haven't reference checked because, you know, that's when you get into trouble. So in terms of reference check, firstly, plumbers, electricians and electricians must be licensed. So you need to do a license check. Waterproofers in some states need to be licensed, but at the very least need to supply you with a certificate of warranty so that that you know that that waterproofing is guaranteed. And then you also need to check the quality of work. So visually see, particularly with tilers, and then check their sort of performance by checking past clients to make sure that they are as good as you think they're going to be. And if you do those things before you engage your trade, you should find that you have a much better run with your trades than by just sort of going on gut. I don't find that really works that well. Oh, another thing is I don't engage people that I don't really enjoy working with. If I get a bad feeling about someone when we're quoting, that's it. I just don't go any further. You know, you're in control of your life in this scenario. So don't make it miserable by working with people that aren't very nice, basically. Okay, so yeah, meet your trades on site. Often they will give you great feedback about how you could do your project better, um, more cost effectively and so on. 
The other thing when you're at this point is to get feedback from them on what they believe they need in terms of time to complete the project. Um, this is often very telling. I actually like to work with trades that have teams. I do have a couple, like my plumber is a one-man band, but on the whole, like for things like tiling, I like to have a team because they're just much more efficient and the tiling and waterproofing and rendering for that matter really slows the job down. So if you can get someone that's efficient in that trade, it can really help with getting your project executed. So for instance, we generally plan on three days for our tiler. So a half a day for the topping, the floor topping, and then you can't do anything else for the rest of that day because, you know, can't walk on it. And then another day for the floor tiling and then another day for the wall tiling and grouting. And that's pretty much it. They bring a team in. If we've got two bathrooms, they bring two teams in and they happen concurrently. And I find that that's the most effective way to get a bathroom renovated. Okay, so I will, I guess, get more specific about timeframes when I get into the actual execution of the renovation. But that's it for today with trades. So please don't forget to go over and leave a review. And I'll see you tomorrow where we're going to be referring to a case study, our current renovation, which I think will help with explaining these concepts. See you then. To discover how to harness the power of renovating, check out theschoolofrenovating.com.